Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. We're, we're, we're finishing up Hebrews chapter 11 today, and I, I just want to say, we're finishing Hebrews chapter 11 today, which has been a long road, right? We've been, we've been going down this. Um, but if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, thank you, sir, bless you. And Hebrews, yeah. I think famously we've, how long did you preach out of Hebrews? A year? Oh, okay. So here we are. So eight or nine weeks is not bad. I I just want to say though, this week as I've as I've been getting into this this passage and every morning that I've been sitting with the Lord, it wrecks me. It wrecks me because here's the reality is that like the reality we understand when we go to the Word is that God loves us so much. He loves us so much. And He is so for us. And when, if we can get a hold of that reality, everything else in the world completely pales in comparison to knowing the love of God. And some of you are like, I've read the end of Hebrews. I don't remember anything about the love of God there. Man, it, it's everywhere. It's all over here. But this is what it says in Hebrews 11.32, and we're going to end up going all the way um, to the end here in just a moment, but we're just going to take, we're going to just start with the first verse here. Hebrews 11.32, it says, we've been talking about this a long time. We've been talking about these people of faith for the last several weeks. And there's so many people we might not be able to get to, but the writer of Hebrews says the same thing. The writer of Hebrews says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail for me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, and, and, and I just want to pause here before we, we move on to the rest of this because we, we have like, like he, he's mentioned things like all the other people we've talked about, about Moses and Rahab and Joseph and all these other people of God that he's talked about. He's listed like specific things that they did to show their faith. And then he gets to these guys and he's like, I don't have time. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon. I don't have time to tell you about Barak. I don't have time to tell you about Samuel I don't, or, or Samson. I don't have time to go into all these things. Um, but but I, I've been doing this for eight or nine weeks now. I have a little time. I do have a little time. And um, I, I can tell you just a little bit about each one of these guys. Um, 
And some of you know these stories because maybe you grew up in church and in Sunday school. I will say we live increasingly in a culture that's never heard some of these stories, that hasn't grown up in a culture of Sunday school. And, and that's, that's part of the reason that, that we've done this whole series um, in Hebrews is so that we can get more into the Old Testament through it. Because as I was talking to even some of you, you were like, I didn't grow up in church. I don't know these Bible stories. And, and my purpose was, okay, then I will tell them to you. So here's Moses, and here is, here is Joseph. Here is these different ones. And, and, and here, is, here is Gideon. Who is Gideon? Gideon was a coward and a nobody. That's who Gideon was. And the Lord spoke to him to tear down the idols, and he tore down the idols. And, and, and can I say, it would be so convenient in our lives today if the idols in our lives today were actually physical idols. Right? Like, like this is an idol that you're worshiping. I'm going to tear it down. Um, that'd be so easy. Gideon goes in at night with some other men and they tear down the idols of Baal. And he's like, yeah, we did it. That would be so easy. But the problem for us, most of us, is the idols in our lives are these things that you actually can't put your hands on. It's just things that you just, you give all your attention and devotion to. To the point where some people come to me and like, I have this idol in my life. What do I do? And I'm like, I'll pray with you. We'll figure it out. Um, tearing down the idols in the life. I, I mean, I've, I've gone through different times. I went through one recently where, and I'm, I'm okay, I know I'm 36 years old. I love, I love video games. I love them. I love them. And I had, about three or four weeks ago, I went through and deleted all the games off my phone all over again because I love them. Right? My time is supposed to be for the Lord. And, and that's what we all have to take time in our lives to realize what is a thing that I'm devoting my life to that isn't Him or not Him. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Some of the stuff you guys are involved in are bad things. Um, but it might not be. But you're turning it into an idol in your life. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. It could be a thought that you just fixate on over and over and over again. And I wish it was as easy as just going and tearing it down. But, but today what I want you to do is we go back into worship. Tear down those idols in your life. Make a decision that you're going to run to Christ today. The thing that Gideon did is he obeyed the word of the Lord. He tore down the idols then he does something that's kind of questionable, and that's what we're going to find out with all these guys. They do something that's kind of questionable. Is Gideon then, he questions the word of the Lord. He's like, okay, God, I'll do it, but I need a sign. And because God is gracious and merciful, he gave Gideon a sign. That doesn't sound like faith to me. Right? God, I'll do it, but I want a sign. And, and if you're if you've never heard the story go go read it it's weird i was like i'm gonna leave this blanket out here and if it's wet like what the, then that's a sign if it's not wet i don't know it's just weird stuff um he questioned god and so here he is in the hall of the faith hall of fame as someone with great faith and yet he questioned the word of the lord you know what that means for you and me there's hope. There's hope. Because how many have ever questioned the word of the Lord? Now, 
back up. I'm not saying we should question the word of the Lord. I'm just saying, if you do, there's hope that you can still be a person of faith. Because then what happens after that is this other army is coming against Israel. And what Gideon does is he takes thousands of men and narrows them down to a group of 300, which does not make any sense in the world. Well, you would say, okay, I've got thousands of men. Let's go attack this other army. And God's like, nope. Let's pare it down. And let's pare it down a little more. And God keeps shrinking the group until there's only 300 left. And he's like, okay, now you're ready. Go. That's insane. But what happens is, is God uses Gideon and these 300 men to rout the other army. Because Gideon acted on faith. Barak, or Barak, however you want to say it. Um, here's a guy that obeyed the word of the Lord. All these guys are found in Judges, most of them. Um, you can go read it later. I'll just warn you, Judges is a crazy book of the Bible. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the theme of Judges. The theme of Judges is, is God's people sin, and so God lets them have the consequences to their sin, and they repent and come back to God, and so he brings peace to them, and in their time of peace, they get distracted by sin, and so God lets them have the consequences of their sin, and they repent and come back to God, so God brings peace, and in that peace, you getting the theme here, sound like anybody else's life? Sounds like mine. So here's another man who obeyed the word of the Lord. And what's crazy is this, is when, is when the prophet of God came to Barak and said, this is what you're supposed to do. He said, I'm only going to do it if the prophet of God goes with me. Like, I'm going to carry the word of the Lord with me. I'm not going to do anything unless God is in it. And that shouldn't that be the cry of the heart of our lives is I'm not going to do anything unless God is in it. And of course, God is not in sin. So there goes all the bad stuff, right? But what about the good stuff? I'm not going to do it unless God is in it. And my question, and we've talked about this before, what are you doing that God is not in that you're not supposed to be doing? And what are you supposed to be doing that God is telling you to do that you're not yet walking in? Because God's like, hey, that thing, that thing, hey, that thing. Yeah, but I don't know if Pastor Drew gave me permission to do that ministry. He would. He'd give you permission to do that thing. I don't need to be in control of your ministry. You, you obey God. If, if it honors Christ and Christ is in it, and we'll do anything we can to support you. Barak, if you know the tent peg story in the Bible, that's the, where the tent peg story happens. We're not going to go into it this morning. Then we have Samson. A lot of you know Samson. Super strong. Broke a bunch of pillars, killed a lot of people. I think Samson has to be, like, what's weird is I remember this story in children's church as a kid in Sunday school, and it was like, oh, Samson, this mighty man of faith. Like, I thought we were learning about him because he was such a great guy. Then you go back, and you read it as an adult, and you're like, the story of Samson is the story of a guy who took a riddle out of the wedding way too far, and thousands of people died because of it. The guy was nuts. See, the, the, the Lord had given Samson a word like, hey, you're going to be strong, 
So you have to obey these rules. Don't cut your hair, right? Don't eat these foods, and you'll have this super strength. And he obeyed in those areas. And every other area of his life, he compromised in, especially when it came to women. And because the compromise in his life, even though God had given him a gift, he used the gift that God gave him for something he shouldn't have. He used it in a way he shouldn't have. And he did really crazy awesome things with really questionable motives. And it's really easy to read that story and be like, I cannot believe Samson. But I wonder if they wrote a story about us. If it'd be like, you know, God gave them this really crazy awesome gift, but they used it for some really strange thing. Like, I don't know if God was in some of the stuff they were doing. And you have to ask yourself, what, what has God given you? What talent has he given you? What has he put in your hand? And what the biggest tragedy of Samson is, is Samson was called to defeat the enemies of God's people. And he didn't fully realize that until he was there in the last moments of his life. And he said, God, I, I realize now what I'm supposed to be doing. And he prayed for that strength again to return to him. And when the strength returned, he pushes those pillars and in an act that kills him, finally fulfills the plan of God for his life more than ever before. That's a tragedy. And yet here he is in Hebrews chapter 11 as someone who exercised faith. There's a story of Jephthah. I think is how we say it, Jephthah. Um, the guy knew Bible stories. The guy knew the word of the Lord, and yet he sacrifices his own daughter. And yet he obeys the thing God tells him. He was messed up. He did what I think is a terrible thing, sacrificing his own daughter. And he knew the word and he obeyed the Lord. All these men right here we see are in Judges. And what we see, if you want to turn to the, let's turn to Judges. Because all these four come from Judges. And when I see these four guys, what I see is four guys who who knew the word of the Lord, who obeyed the word of the Lord, but they were really jacked up along the way. If you turn to the very end of Judges, I think it's 21. I'll turn there too. Judges 21, verse 25, the last verse of Judges. This is basically a pretty good summary of the entire book. It says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There was no king. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And so you think, since there was no king in Israel, the answer to that problem would be to then get a king. And what we find out, and what most of us know if we've been in church very much, is then Israel gets some kings. Does it help anything? No. They still keep going through that same cycle. 
because it wasn't an earthly king that they needed. What they needed was the king. They needed God to be their king. And I'm telling you, the biggest problems that you have in your life aren't because, well, if I, just, if I would just get this part in order, like if I just had this thing right here, right, in order, if I had a king, then the rest of it would be in line. But the problem is, is we want to make the things we like king. We want to do what's right in our own eyes. Instead of making Jesus king, making God our king. If we can't make God our king, it doesn't matter how much in order we try to get everything else. Everything else is just a false king. And some of us don't want any king at all. We just, we just, I just want to do me. I just want to do me. How's that going for you? And I don't say that out of mocking or, or being proud. Like, with a heavy heart, how's that going for you? Not having God as king of your life. We see the next two guys here is, is David and Samuel. I'll go to Samuel first because Samuel's the one that actually brings a king to Israel in a way. The people come to Samuel like, we need a king. And Samuel was a man of God. He was a prophet of God. And if you read a lot about what Samuel did, you realize, hey, of these guys mentioned here at the end, he's probably the one that's probably the, like, should be in there the most. He did a lot of great things he heard from the Lord. But even he had some weird stuff going on. Like, he had sons that didn't serve the Lord. And I want to I say this, because... Because, like, heritage, we believe heritage is a really important thing. Like, we, we want our, our kids to grow up to be great people. But, but can I tell you, spiritual heritage is way more important than physical heritage. Right? And I say that as having two daughters, and obviously I want my daughters to be part of my spiritual heritage. But that spiritual heritage is, is more, should be more of a priority in our lives than, than, than physical heritage. And so even if, if you don't have kids or your kids are grown, I'm going to tell you, you have an opportunity for spiritual heritage in this place and other places too. To find people in your life and begin to pour into them. Because what we see in Samuel is here he was a man of God and his two sons, they were evil. They were evil. They did terrible things. And so the people cried out for a king. And here comes David. And the Bible calls King David, you guys know David, he's the guy who killed Goliath, right? He's an awesome king. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. And yet he's still a guy who commits adultery and murder, which is just crazy. And yet we find him here in Hebrews 11 in the Faith Hall of Fame. This guy who was jacked up. And I was thinking about that. Like, it was like, here he was up on his roof, and he looks over and he sees Bathsheba like, taking a bath on her roof. And I'm like, 
I think she's a little bit guilty in this. Like, why is she up on her roof taking a bath in view of the palace? You don't think she didn't know the king could maybe see her from there? I don't know. But did you know God isn't going to, like, he can hold her accountable for what she did, but he holds David accountable for what he did. Right? It doesn't, I mean, it matters what she did, but as far as David's concerned, it doesn't matter what she did. It matters what he did. And we always want to take our short comings and the sin that we've walked through and we want to say yeah but but i mean she was on the roof taking a bath like we want to put it on someone else when it's not on them it's on us what we've done we have to stand before god ourselves for what we've got we've done and even david in his own family had lots of family turmoil with his kids and just craziness happening and yet here he is in the hebrews uh chapter 11 we see that david is called a man of faith. All these jacked up men being called men of faith. Can I say something? That's good news for you. That's good news for you that, that all these jacked up people are seen as people of faith because you can still be a person of faith today no matter what kind of craziness has, has been in your past or what kind of craziness is going on right now. Or if some of you can see craziness in your future, which I hope you can't, but if you see it like, I know what's coming, it's not good. But can you be a person of faith as you walk through that? Because look at what this says. It says, and what shall I say then? Let's go back to verse 32. For time would fail for me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. I mean, doesn't that sound good? They conquered kingdoms. How many need to do some conquering in your life? Okay. How many need to conquer some things in your life? You can say Amen. They enforce justice. How many need some justice in your life? Can I just make you say amen? How about this? Let's do this. I'm going to read a part, and I just want you to shout amen. Okay? Because this is good stuff. And it, yeah, here we go. Okay, so here we go. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead. They were tortured. They suffered mocking, flogging, imprisonment. What happened to my amens? That's what I'm reading through this this week, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to conquer some armies and Man, dead people are coming to life and power and yes and Jesus and some were tortured. What? 
what? That was a pretty quick turn there, writer of Hebrews. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life, okay? Others suffered mocking and flogging. Wait, you're describing the life of faith now? What happened to all the good stuff in the top part? And even in chains and imprisonment, they were stoned. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. I guess we've officially given up on the amens. Um, They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in desert and mountains and in the dens of cave of the earth. So what are we saying, Pastor Drew? What we're saying is when you're walking through the life of faith, you're going to have great victory. I'm also saying when you're walking through the life of faith, you're going to have great difficulty. I wish I could stand up here and tell you that if we really get a hold of this today, life's going to be really great from now on. I can say this. If we get a hold of this this morning, we can obtain peace that surpasses understanding. But I will not stand up here and lie to you and say life is about to be easy for you. Because that's not the life of faith. The life of faith is to be able to look at the good and the bad and say, I will pursue Christ no matter what comes up. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 32 and 33. I'll just read it to you. He said, Behold, the hour is coming and indeed has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. He's talking about a scattering because of persecution. He said, Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Did you get that? You're about to be scattered. Things are about to get hard. I'm telling you this so you can have peace. That didn't make sense at all. Then he says this to follow it up. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. You will have struggles. You will have difficulties. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And what gets me is, is, and, 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 is that whatever difficulty we're walking through, that God has us. And that just has to be enough. Yeah, but I want also God to rescue me. I I mean, yes, I do too. I'm with you. But what if he doesn't? 
Does that mean he's not a good God? What if you still have to walk through the thing that you've been walking through? Is he still good, even though your situation is bad? Um, it hit me like a ton of bricks. You can flip over James if you want, but in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. It says, this, it says count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith, and I just want to say this, this testing isn't God testing you. It's, it's just you being tested. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That means to be deeply rooted, to be firmly grounded. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I, I don't know when or if the trial will end, but I will say this. You will be more perfect by the end of it. I've been... I just had this thought come up as I was like, God, I just want my life to honor you. And, and in the last couple of weeks, it's been this greater thing in my heart than before. And it's just like, you realize, I know this sounds a little, it sounds more, but it's not. It's good. Um, but to realize that if, if, if you really pursue Jesus really, really hard, and you walk through the good times and the bad, and give Him glory and all, do, do you realize how great your funeral is going to be? Like, how heavy hearted everyone's going to be that, that, that you've passed. But just like all the testimony that's going to come out as everyone sits around and talks about how you live the life of faith. And it was just kind of this thought is like, man, I'm gearing up. I, I want to gear up for a really good funeral. <laughs> like, like, seriously. And that's all of us. And, and what, what's crazy is, is that's something that we won't get to see, right? But it's a testimony that will come out after we're gone. But it reminds me of these people in Hebrews chapter 11 who never fully got to see what was about to come. Because guess what? It's not about me anyway. I always thought we should have those services before they go so they, they can know how, how great we think they are. But I think even for the life of a Christian, that would be so wrong because the glory should go to Jesus and not to the person. So I guess we have to wait till I'm gone. I, I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 4. And I, I want to do this. Um, and worship team, if you can go ahead and start heading this way. I, I would I'd like to point all of you to um, I think if you go on YouTube and you search um, Francis Chan one thing 2015 um, you can write that out if you want I've 
I've been tempted to just show that his sermon from that day as a service one Sunday. But then I'm always like, then we're going to have visitors that day. And then we're like, this place is weird. This place is weird anyway, a little bit. Um, but I'm like, maybe I can edit it down and just show the highlights. I've tried that. The whole thing is a highlight. And it's like an hour long. And so I, I would, I would uh, Francis Chan, One Thing 2015, and something about suffering is what it's called. The word suffering's in it. So you know it's good. In in First Peter chapter four, it says this. This is wrecking me. It says this, verse one. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And and it struck me how and I, I posted it this week, how it struck me how sometimes, how sometimes we use sin as an excuse, excuse, or suffering, we use as an excuse to sin. Like, I'm going through a really hard time right now, so I deserve a little me time, a little, a little whatever. I'm going through a hard time right now, so I can indulge in this thought that doesn't glorify God, or I can indulge in this thing that doesn't glorify God. Or I'm going through a hard time, so it's okay for me to, to badmouth this person. Because they're bad. And yet, what it says here is that since Christ suffered in the flesh, to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking. Arm yourself to think like Christ. Because if whoever is suffering the flesh, it says, has ceased from sin. What, what that kind of means is if you choose to not sin, it actually could bring on more suffering for you. But if I do this thing, it'll make me feel better. Yeah, but if you do that thing, you're walking in sin more. That means you're going to suffer more. says this in verse 2 so as to live for the rest of time in the flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of God underline that in your Bible to live for the will of God for the will of God I'm going to skip to verse 7. It says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. How many, how many want God to hear you when you pray? Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Don't give in to the weak stuff. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. I love that word, earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 12. Beloved, do not be 
surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This is great. Don't be surprised. I can't believe this is happening to me. This is nothing strange. It says elsewhere in Scripture, there's no temptation taking you except for what's common to man. The thing you're going through, someone else has gone through. And guess what? They walked righteously through it. And if they could do it, you can do it. In so far, it says, but rejoice. Uh, you can need some of you to underline that right there. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Can I say something? God, why am I going through this, this hard time? Why am I going through this suffering? Can I tell you it's 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 for one reason and one reason only? So that his glory can be revealed. How am I going to get through this? I've already kind of messed up in this thing, God. I'm saying this morning, today's the day where you make the decision that you're not going to let the suffering be an excuse for sin. Today's the day where you make the decision that you're going to let the suffering be an excuse for faith in your life. Just like those jacked up guys in Hebrews chapter 11. Where you say, Everything is for the glory of God. Everything is for the glory of God. I don't see how this thing could be for the glory of God. Then I would say pray. Be self-controlled and sober-minded and pray until you see the glory of God revealed in the thing that you're walking through. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, it says this. It says, And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And if you go on and read that, what's the thing they never got to see? And I'm going to tell you what the thing was. Jesus Christ. The thing all of those Old Testament heroes of faith were looking forward to, they were looking forward to the day when the Messiah would be revealed, where Jesus would be revealed. To be able to put our eyes on Jesus. To be able to put our eyes on Jesus. And if we were to start going forward into chapter 12, which we probably shouldn't do because it's only Hebrews chapter 11. But if we were to look at chapter 12, it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by all these wonderful men and women of God, since we're surrounded by these heroes of faith, since we're surrounded by these great cloud of witnesses, it says this, let's set aside every sin, every weight that hinders us. And let's run. Let's run. Let's say all the excuses, they're gone. I'm running towards Jesus because of my faith. Because of my faith. Will you stand with me?
How, how do I have great faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, is the evidence of things not seen. I, I'm putting my eyes on Jesus. In the good times and in the bad times, I'm putting my eyes on Jesus. And, and what, I'm, what I'm sensing this morning from all of us is some of us who've been going some, through some pretty good times and we've been conquering the armies and, and we've, been, we've been having God do all these amazing things and like, like the whole first half of that little description of all the amazing things God has been doing. And like, yeah, that's me. And some of us feel more like the second half of that we're being beat up and flogged and mocked and everything else either way God deserves all the glory and all the honor and all the praise and in either time we have to put our eyes on Jesus let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith and so the way I want us to end this service i'll say this the way i want us to continue with this service is let's take time now and let's put our eyes back on jesus like my eyes were perfectly fine on jesus until you interrupt with the sermon i have full confidence then that you'll be able to pick up right where you left off My heart this morning I don't I don't say this lightly yes yes my heart is that your situation would get better but more than that my heart is that you would see Jesus and God would be glorified in your life. And if that means you having to walk through whatever you're walking through, and so, and so as, as a pastor of this congregation, I'm going to say to all of us, let us just put our eyes on Jesus together. And, do, and then do the other part in verse fear, just love one another. Just love one another. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your, for your love that does cover a multitude of sins. We thank you for your mercy, which we do not deserve. We thank you for your grace. Lord, that you have just so lavishly poured out on us, Father God, that we can now stand before you this morning, Lord, just as jacked up, just as messed up as those men and women of God in Hebrews chapter 11. But Lord, knowing that we can stand before you as people of faith, knowing that, that you hear our prayers, you hear the cries of our heart this morning, God. Lord Jesus, and we say, though we see 
craziness around us. Lord, we walk by faith and not by sight this morning. Lord, we put the eyes of our heart on you this morning to bring you all the glory and all the honor. And people of God, I say this morning to us, as, as we enter into the time of worship, do not worship your good time. Do not worship your struggle. Worship the King of Kings this morning. Worship the King of Kings this morning. Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.